We explore the opening of the movie The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, and compare it to the chapter in J.R.R. Tolkien's classic children's book, The Hobbit. We will see how a seemingly small change in the prologue shifts the entire story away from Tolkien's tale. Let's wander. Let's check the map. Inspired by the beautiful maps that accompany Tolkien's works, these map checks are intended to help us remember where we are in today's story. We began a wandering exploration of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, examining three key themes from Chapter 1. Those themes were unexpected, comfort, and adventure. In that chapter, Gandalf and the dwarves unexpectedly arrive at Bilbo's comfortable hobbit hole, and attempt to convince the hobbit to join their party on an adventure to win back gold that Smog the dragon had stolen from them. Today we turn our wandering attention to Peter Jackson's film adaptation of this chapter, in the movie The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey. Reminder, I'm basing this breakdown on the extended edition of the movie, and I won't be cataloging every detail or difference between the book and the movie, but rather try to point out themes that are similar or contrasting in the adaptation of the source. Let's start with the prologue. Bilbo voices the prologue, which makes sense, as he is the titular and main character of the book. He also says that he has told Frodo the truth, but hasn't told all of it, or rather, what really happened. This is a hint for the various versions of the tale that Bilbo told. Depending on his audience, Bilbo would mention or leave out certain details. In Fellowship, Gandalf tells Frodo that he had to practically badger Bilbo to tell him the whole story. But beyond the narrative importance of that statement, I think it also hints to the revisions that Tolkien made to The Hobbit when he was writing The Lord of the Rings, particularly the stakes of the riddle game between Gollum and Bilbo, and the corrupting influence of the ring. However, there's a major change in the prologue of the movie, and it is the first of many mistakes from which The Hobbit film trilogy can't redeem itself. Thorin's backstory, while told in this chapter in the book, is told in the film's prologue, and becomes the defining narrative problem for the films. In the film prologue, we see more about dwarves and dragons than we do about the green dragon in the Shire. We've spent more time in the firelit mines and throne rooms of dwarves, rather than in the fire-warmed comforts of a simple hobbit's simple hole. I understand why the film writers did it. Starting with the dwarf story is much more dramatic and entertaining. But the major drawback is this. The story of the movie has shifted from a hobbit's unexpected adventure to a dwarf's revenge quest. In fact, while the word adventure is mentioned several times in the book, it can't be heard in this portion of the film, being actually replaced by the word quest. The film prologue sets up the major plot device of the Arkenstone, whereas in the book that's not even mentioned until several chapters in, almost as if it was an afterthought that occurred to Tolkien when he realized he needed a way for Bilbo to leave Thorne and convince the alliance of Lake Town men and Mirkwood elves to trust the Hobbit. The prologue also introduces a character who doesn't even have a name in the Hobbit books, Thranduil, King of the Woodland Elves. The scene portrays a beautiful necklace, which the dwarves jealously withhold from the elves. Bilbo gives some explanation to what both sides say. That necklace, while not mentioned in The Hobbit, is reminiscent of an ancient necklace from the first age of Middle-earth, the Naglamir which the elf king Thingol hired dwarves to create and fashion so that it could hold the one Silmaril that Baron and Luthien had reclaimed from Morgoth. Thingol was prideful, the dwarves slew him, and what followed were several battles between elves and dwarves, and one of the reasons why Celeborn, kinsman of Thingol and husband of Galadriel, detests dwarves so much. If your head is spinning with all those names, I don't blame you. 
That's a lot of lore packed into a shiny necklace. Go back and listen to episodes 24 and 28 for a refresher on those stories. We also see Thorin's grandfather, Thror, and his love of gold that caused a sickness in the mine. This sickness, while not mentioned in The Hobbit, does have some grounding in Tolkien's lore when we look at the seven rings of power that were given to the dwarves. In the appendix to Return of the King, we learn that the ring which was passed to Thorin's grandfather is believed to be one of the seven, and was given to the dwarves by the elves, quote, and not by Sauron, though doubtless his evil power was on it. The rings had little power over the dwarves, for they were a most hardy and resilient people. However, quote, the only power over them that the rings wielded was to inflame their hearts with greed of gold and precious things. So the rings would only magnify the already greedy and jealous impulses that lived in the dwarves' hearts, hence why Thror would have a sickness of the mind for his gold. Another change the prologue makes. In the book, Thorin says he was adventuring far away from the mountain when Smog attacked. However, in the film, Thorin is at the mountain. I see the value of this change. It makes Thorin's revenge story even more personal and intimate, knowing that he personally faced the dragon and pulled his grandfather from the rush of gold, rather than watching helplessly from far away. But it also creates a plot hole. Thor and Thrain escape through the front door, not a secret side door found with a secret map and opened by a secret key. That change somewhat lessens the reveal when Gandalf gives Thorin the key. And the last bit of the prologue, I think, is actually a really nice touch. We see young Bilbo as a child who plays with Gandalf, while Gandalf is shooting off his legendary fireworks. It works well, because the fireworks are the one thing that 50-year-old Bilbo will remember about Gandalf, and visually establishes a friendship between the wizard and the hobbit. Although this question just occurred to me, if Gandalf was a wandering wizard, when did he have time to make fireworks, and where did he make them for that matter? And why do we only see or hear mention of Gandalf's fireworks while in the Shire? Wouldn't that have been a cool scene as the White Rider is racing out to rescue the cavalry of Faramir from the Nazgul if he like shot off a firework that blinded the Nazgul or something? A missed opportunity, I think. Finally, ten minutes in, we get the opening line, quote, In a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit. There's a Frodo cameo of him eating an apple, that's another apple reference, and he puts the no admittance sign on the gate before running off to wait for Gandalf. This cameo, of course, isn't in the book because Frodo didn't exist yet, but it does provide the setting for the film. This is the day of the long-expected party that opens the Fellowship, but we need to explore the unexpected party that opens The Hobbit. The introduction scene between Gandalf and Bilbo is just as witty and enjoyable to watch as it is to read, although in a striking omission, Bilbo doesn't fluster about an invitation to tea for Gandalf. Gandalf does leave a mark on the door. If you attempted to translate the runes from the Hobbit book I mentioned last episode, you'd be disappointed because Gandalf doesn't use that writing system to leave his mark here. Instead, he uses the system that Tolkien charted in the appendix to Return of the King. And a quick search reveals that the mark Gandalf left was G for Gandalf. However, eagle-eyed readers will recognize that mark as the one that Strider points out on a stone in the chapter A Knife in the Dark in the Fellowship book, when he says, quote, the stroke on the left might be a G-Brune with thin branches. Then the unexpected party begins to arrive, in somewhat different order than in the book, and with none of the colorful hoods that Tolkien described. First is Dwalin, then his brother Balin, shortly followed by the two brothers, Feely and Keely. Then the sequence is shortened a bit by Dori, Ori, Nori, Oin, and Gloin, who came together, and Biffer, Boffer, Bomber, and Gandalf, but not Thorin. 
I'm probably splitting hairs here because 13 dwarves is way too much to keep track of in a book or a movie format, but the lumping together of the last eight dwarves sweeps away some of the family connections between those dwarves. Some were more closely connected with the royal family. If you're really curious on the family tree distinctions, Tolkien gave us a helpful chart in Appendix A of Return of the King. And separating Thorn from the group of dwarves who end up on the floor does make his entrance more serious and dramatic, and emphasizes Thorin's dignity, or as Tolkien likely would have said, his importance. However, Thorin's distinct entrance again emphasizes who this story is all about. Not a flustered hobbit with a pile of unexpected dwarves on his doorstep, but rather a jilted dwarf prince out to reclaim his homeland. During the chaos of the party, the film did capture this wonderful line from Bilbo, quote, Be bother and confusticate these dwarves! This is actually inverted from the line in the book, but what do those words actually mean? Confusticate means to obscure or perplex, meaning that Bilbo finds these dwarves unintelligible. And if you can find me a clear definition of be bother, send me a note, because that word simply confusticates me. Maybe Tolkien even made it up, who knows. And that's not the only line that's rearranged. The dish's song, bend the forks and crack the plates, is also slightly rearranged. However, the message and spirit of it is still there. The dwarves tease Bilbo and really drive home his uncomfort. We have one more change to explore, but we'll get to that right after this break. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on to the portion of the unexpected party during which Gandalf and the dwarves discuss their quest. During this whole time, Bilbo is still on the outside, but his interest is piqued by mention of the beast, Smaug the dragon. With the explanation of a dragon, Bilbo's uncomfort reaches such a height that he will eventually faint. Yet he is not the only one who experiences some uncomfort at that party. Gandalf practically chokes on his own smoke instead of revealing that he hasn't killed even one dragon in his time let alone hundreds. The big reveal that changes everything about the quest is when Gandalf produces the key that unlocks the secret door that the not-so-secret map points to. We also get just a taste of the internal conflict between Bilbo's family lines, his Baggins side versus his Took side. Gandalf provides the story of Bilbo's Took ancestor who could ride a horse and invented golf by beheading a goblin. When Bilbo challenges Gandalf, saying that he made up that story, Gandalf responds, quote, all good stories deserve embellishment. Aha, and here is the problem. This is the insurance policy for the Hobbit movie adaptation. All we're doing is embellishing the story somewhat, but we have already seen how those embellishments have changed the focus of Tolkien's story. He gave us a story about a hobbit who had an adventure, an adventure that just so happened to be helping dwarves with a dragon dilemma. However, this movie, so far, is about dwarves with a dragon dilemma who just so happened to get unexpected help from a hobbit. As we continue our chapter-by-chapter chapter breakdowns, comparing the book to the film, you'll see that they took this 
story embellishment idea a little too far. And I think this is one of the chief reasons why the fandom has such a love-hate relationship with the Hobbit movies. But besides that, I'm not even sure that claim is true. Perhaps a good story is a good story by virtue of its simplicity and beauty, without requiring further embellishment. Well, this chapter closes with the dwarves singing the Misty Mountain song in their deep voices. I've mentioned this before, but I really love the tune they put to Tolkien's words, and they did keep Tolkien's words, although with fewer verses. Even though this song was more towards the middle of the chapter in the book, for a film, the song provides a clean, emotional break, where the music pulls us in and helps transition to the next sequence in the film. However, closing with the dwarves' song again emphasizes that this is Thorin's story. Whereas in the book, we close out the chapter with Bilbo's uncomfortable dreams in his sleep as he hears Thorin's soft singing in the next room. This scene in the movie barely features Bilbo. He gets a couple of seconds of screen time, while in contrast, we see the dwarves uniting in brotherhood for a dangerous mission. So again, perhaps redundantly, the message here is this. This movie is about dwarves reclaiming their homeland with the help of a simple hobbit not about a hobbit who has an adventure and does unexpected things. And that subtle shift in focus will have dire consequences as we go forward. Join me next time, where we will explore Chapter 2 of The Hobbit, Roast Mutton, and meet three trolls named William, Bert, and Tom. Thanks for wandering Middle-earth with me today. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Raise your hand if this has happened to you today. You're in the middle of work, you're knocking things off the to-do list, getting stuff done, and your kid asks you to play. Do you drop everything? Do you ask them to wait a minute? What do you do? If you're like me, you don't always say yes right away. The kid moves on, you get busy, and you forget to circle back around and play. An opportunity to make a memory has been lost, and the dad guilt settles in. Not so anymore. I've developed a simple game that will enable you to take those small moments and have fun. It's called Dad's Adventure Dice Digital Edition. My five-year-old daughter asks me nearly every day, can we do Dad Adventure Dice? What follows are some quick rolls of the dice that lead to a fun activity with an intriguing twist. Within five or ten minutes, we've had a lot of fun, shared a lot of laughter, and made a memory together. Download your own Dad's Adventure Dice today. Visit store.adventures.dad to download yours. That's store.adventure.dad to download Dad's Adventure Dice.